The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash earnings right now. netsuite.com slash earnings. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, March 29, 2022. Coming up this hour. Peace talks between Russia and Ukraine restart today. President Biden clarifies his remarks on Vladimir Putin. Billionaires in private equity gird for tax hikes from the White House. And bankers in Hong Kong score pay raises and promotions. New York Mayor Eric Adams is slamming Florida's new Don't Say Gay bill, plus the January 6th panel recommends holding two Trump aides in contempt. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashower in sports. The Knicks beat the Bulls at the Garden. The UConn women won in double overtime to advance to the Final Four. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. futures are higher this morning. We're coming up to 601 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up about 20 points. Dow futures up 144. NASDAQ futures up 69. The DAX in Germany is up 1.9%. 10-year Treasury down 15, 30 seconds, yield 2.51%. And the yield on the two-year, 2.43%. NYMEX crude oil is up 3 tenths percent, or 31 cents, at $106.27 a barrel and the euro at 1.1037 against the dollar. Nathan. Karen, we begin with the latest on the war in Eastern Europe. Ukraine is looking for a ceasefire agreement in talks with Russian negotiators today. We get the very latest from Bloomberg International Affairs reporter Mark Champion. What is exchanged for the ceasefire is less clear and the sequencing would be quite difficult because at the moment what the Ukrainians are talking about is they would agree to neutrality. In exchange for neutrality, there would be security guarantees from other Western countries similar to NATO's Article 5. You know, all that would have to be agreed in a referendum that would take a year. So how that all gets sequenced is extremely difficult to understand. What would be the borders that were being guaranteed by these guarantors in the West is difficult to understand at that point. Bloomberg's Mark Champion reports talks are underway in Turkey. President Erdogan is telling the Ukrainian and Russian delegations he expects, quote, good news from the meeting. 
Meantime, Nathan, Russia appears to be making good on its debt. Moscow says it made a more than $100 million interest payment on its foreign bonds despite financial isolation. In the face of warnings from credit rating agencies, the government has so far sidestepped a default. Back here in the U.S., Karen, President Biden is clarifying his remarks on Vladimir Putin, saying the U.S. is not seeking to remove the Russian president, but he does say he has the right to express concern. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The president says he's not planning regime change in Russia, but has the right to express his opinion. I was expressing my outrage at the behavior of this man. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. And it's more an aspiration than anything. He shouldn't be in power. There's no, I mean, people like this shouldn't be ruling countries, but they do. The fact they do, but doesn't mean I can't express my outrage about it. And NATO is having its debate about talking directly with Putin. Some countries saying before any talks, there has to be a ceasefire in Ukraine. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. Now, an update on President Biden's agenda back home. The White House is doubling down on efforts to overhaul the tax code. It's looking to get more money from the wealthiest households and largest companies. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. President Biden says his plan is designed to chip away at the deficit run up by the Trump administration. This year on track to cut the deficit by more than $1,300,000,000. That would be the largest one-year reduction in the deficit in U.S. history. Now, part of that would be funded through a minimum tax on mega-millionaires and billionaires, including on their unrealized gains, raising an estimated $360 billion over a decade from roughly the wealthiest 20,000 households in the country. But it faces opposition in Congress and not just from Republicans. The billionaire tax is also a key fault line between moderate Democrats and progressives. White House advisors are now talking with lawmakers about how to win support for the tax proposal. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Amy. Meantime, the Senate's passed a measure to help U.S. tech companies passing its version of a long-stalled bill to help the U.S. semiconductor industry and boost competitiveness with China. This sets the stage for negotiations with the House, which has already passed its own version. The measure includes $57, or $52 billion, I should say, to boost chip manufacturing. And let's turn to the markets now, Nathan, and a few companies making headlines this morning. Bloomberg's John Tucker joins us live with the latest. Good morning, John. Good morning, Karen. Let's start out with FedEx, the package shipping company named Raj Subramanian as its new CEO. He takes the reins from 77-year-old founder Fred Smith, who pioneered express delivery almost 50 years ago. Smith had been in the midst of a campaign to overhaul the company to stem declining profit margins. Meantime, Amazon has become the first mega-cap tech stock to erase losses for the year. Shares are now up 1.4% of the year after having dropped more than 18% earlier this month. And finally, Apple shares headed for their longest winning streak since 2003. After a dismal start to the year, Apple's seen earnings estimates upgraded by analysts. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thanks for also watching shares of Barclays this morning. They're down more than 3% in London after a shareholder sold about $1.2 billion of stock. The sale came a day after Barclays revealed a costly blunder at how it sold billions of dollars in securities. The identity of the Barclays seller was not disclosed. 
Meantime, in Hong Kong, Nathan, the outlook for bankers is looking up. The city has seen an exodus of finance staff, but those that stayed are getting rewarded. And Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with the details. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. For tech-savvy workers willing to live in a city largely isolated from the world, opportunities like big promotions and pay increases are plentiful, at least in the short term. Now, typically, finance workers heading to a different company in Hong Kong would get about a 15% pay hike, but executive search firm ESGI says they're seeing 20 to 30 percent increases. Meantime, government data show the number of new visas issued to foreign financial service workers in Hong Kong fell last year down almost 50 percent from 2018. And that was before the Omicron variant prompted more lockdowns. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thanks. S&P futures up 18 points now. Dow futures up 140 NASDAQ futures higher by 63 points. The 10-year Treasury yield 2.50%. Yield on the two-year right now, 2.42%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 607 on Wall Street, 25 degrees in Central Park. Jericho Turnpike is closed both ways for an accident at Daly Road. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is denouncing Florida's controversial Don't Say Gay Bill. In signing the bill, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says the legislation forbids instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity in kindergarten through third grade. In Florida, uh, we not only know that parents have a right to be involved, uh, we insist that parents have a right to be involved. Joe Saunders with the LGBTQ advocacy group Equality Florida said DeSantis has set the state back decades. Governor DeSantis has damaged our state's reputation as a welcoming and inclusive place for all families. He has made us a laughingstock and a target of national derision. Worse, he has made schools less safe for children. New York Mayor Adams called the bill hateful and harmful, saying on social media to the families living in fear of this state-sponsored discrimination, you're welcome in New York City. Our arms and hearts are wide open. A House committee voted unanimously last night to recommend contempt citations against two of former President Trump's White House advisors for defying subpoenas to testify in the last year's riots at the U.S. Capitol. The panel named former aides Dan Scavino and Peter Navarro. Congresswoman Liz Cheney, the top Republican on the select committee, said anyone who participated in the January 6th effort should be held accountable. As a federal judge concluded today... The illegality of President Trump's plan for January 6th was, quote, obvious. Cheney was referring to U.S. District Judge David Carter, writing the court finds it more likely than not that President Trump corruptly attempted to obstruct the joint session of Congress on January 6th, 2021. The founder of Citadel is giving $40 million to New York City's American Museum of Natural History. The donation is part of the $340 million raised so far for the Richard Gilder Science and Education and Innovation Center, which is set to open sometime between late 2022 and early 2023. Actor Will Smith apologized to Chris Rock after he slapped the comedian at the Oscars Sunday night. Meanwhile, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences opened a formal review of Smith's behavior. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 
Coming up to 610 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. Nathan, hard to make the NBA playoffs when you win only one game in the month of February like the Knicks did. The Knicks are almost certainly not going to make it. They're four and a half games behind. But they have won four in a row. First time all year. They came from 12 down, beat Chicago at the Garden, 109-104. R.J. Barrett, 28 points. Alec Burks, 27. DeMar DeRozan had 37 for the Bulls. Nets home tonight for Detroit. Rangers are in Pittsburgh. NCAA Women's Tournament double overtime in Bridgeport. UConn beat NC State 91-87. to Now off to another Final Four. Reaction from the coach, Gino Oriema, and the star player, Paige Beckers. It's one of the best games I've ever been a part of um, since I've been at UConn. Uh, regular season, postseason, it doesn't really matter. It was just a lot of fun to play in. Uh, two very competitive teams, like Coach said, just playing for our lives at that point. And we found a way to win, and we stuck together, and we stayed composed. And, yeah, I'm just – it was a really exciting game for sure. You guys – 22nd Final Four under Oriama. They've gone now 14 years in a row. The Jets have signed free agent defensive lineman Solomon Thomas, once the third overall pick of the draft. He played for Jets coach Robert Sala when Sala coached the 49ers defense. Giants GM Joe Shane says he has not initiated any trade talks regarding Saquon Barkley. NFL owners are meeting. They are considering a change in the overtime rule where both teams would be assured of a possession. Baseball, 42-year-old future Hall of Famer Albert Pujols says this will be his final season and he will spend it with the team he used to start for, the St. Louis Cardinals. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thank you. S&P futures up 15 points now. Dow futures up 126. NASDAQ futures up 43 points. The 10-year treasury is down 11.30 seconds. The yield 2.50%. Yield on the two-year 2.42. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by Anshin Accountants and Advisors. Challenging times call for proactive advisors who help minimize taxes, increase cash flow, and create opportunities for the future of your business. Visit Anshin.com. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks on the rise as ceasefire talks between Russia and Ukraine help to fuel risk appetite. U.S. stock index futures are climbing after benchmarks rose for a third session yesterday. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 17 points. Dow futures up 134. NASDAQ futures up 53. The DAX in Germany up 1.9%. The 10-year Treasury down 11.30 seconds. Yield 2.49%. The yield on the two-year 2.41%. 1%. NYMEX crude oil is up 7 tenths percent or 74 cents at $106.70 a barrel. COMEX gold down 1.3 percent or $25 at 1919.70 an ounce. The euro 1.1041 against the dollar. British pound 1.3092. The yen at 123.48. And Bitcoin this morning lower down 9 tenths percent at $47,525. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. More than a month after Russia invaded Ukraine, the two nations resumed negotiations towards a ceasefire today. The sit-down will take place over three days in Istanbul, Turkey. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says his country would consider a neutrality agreement to achieve peace. Shanghai beef up lockdown restrictions for people residing in the eastern half of the city, barring everyone from leaving their homes even to walk their dogs. 
Record local daily COVID-19 infections jumped today to close to 4,800. In the NBA, the Knicks won. The Celtics and Warriors lost. UConn is heading back to the women's NCAA Final Four for the 14th straight time. The Huskies beat North Carolina State in double overtime. UConn will face Stanford. Louisville is also in because they'll face South Carolina. In the NHL, the Capitals lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and Bloomberg News Executive Editor for International Government, Rosalind Matheson, is with us as we continue to watch these talks underway in Turkey between Ukraine and Russia. Roz, good morning. As we heard from Michael, uh, uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky is saying he is open to neutrality. Is that a sign of a concession as we head into these talks? Well, that's actually something he's been saying all along, is that he's open to discussing a lot of things in order to get a ceasefire and then possibly a more permanent peace agreement. But neutrality for Ukraine comes with caveats, and those are some pretty significant ones, which include security guarantees that they say must come from European countries, from NATO members, Turkey, the US and others in order for it to feel safe enough to say it can declare itself neutral. Neutral probably means um, confirming what everyone knows already and that Ukraine will not join NATO um, for the foreseeable future for many years, if at all. Uh, And that can allow it to say in theory it's neutral. But in order to do that, it also does need some kind of support from the West. And that's where we get into tricky ground again about what security guarantees might be possible, what other countries would be willing to sign, if anything, in order to make Ukraine feel comfortable in that scenario. So we're quite a way still potentially from getting that bigger deal. There is the possibility in Turkey today, tomorrow, that we might get the outlines of what would be a 48-hour ceasefire. That just at least brings a pause in the fighting that allows more people to leave some of the worst areas that have been hit by the conflict and perhaps some breathing space to allow conversation towards that broader deal. If we do get that ceasefire, does that bring in the possibility that we get more discussions among NATO members when it comes to some of these asks that Zelensky is looking for, like security guarantees? And I guess the bigger question is, what kind of security guarantees could NATO agree to when you have so many different leaders of so many different countries with their own ideas heading into this? Well, that's right. And as our reporting has been showing over the last week, there are quite, there's quite a lot of divergence within uh, NATO members, particularly in Europe, between Western Europe, Eastern Europe and so on, about exactly how to tackle those really big questions. Because some leaders would say, let's just get a ceasefire, get the, get the fighting to stop, then let's think about the rest of it. The most important priority is that others are saying it has to all happen at the same time. But of course, you're putting together potentially a very complicated peace deal that could have lasting ramifications. If you don't get it right um, from the outset, this could cause problems for years from now. So these countries are saying, hang on, let's not rush any of this, because if we have to give guarantees, what do they look like? Um, It's very clear that NATO members have said they will not put troops into Ukraine in this existing conflict or commit to doing so in a future conflict. So what does uh, security guarantees mean anyway? Does it mean sending certain types of weaponry into Ukraine to support it if it has to have a further conflict with Russia somewhere on its terrain, uh, what else does that look like? That's really up in the air at this stage. 
I've seen reports that uh, Russian billionaire Roman Abramovich is uh, taking part in these talks in Istanbul. Have we confirmed that? And how could that affect the negotiations? Well, he seems to be playing a bit of a self-styled role as a mediator. Um, He has held talks in Ukraine itself um, earlier in the month, um, and he's in Turkey now. He's not part of the official delegation, so he's not sitting in on the talks that are occurring this morning, but he's certainly in the vicinity and trying to facilitate, it seems, in whatever way he can. And he met, of course, with the Turkish president this morning before those official talks began. So he seems to be uh, someone who's on the sidelines trying to help navigate if he can. He does, of course, have his own contacts in Ukraine and perhaps can smooth the way a bit. Uh, and he probably has an incentive potentially to get back in the good books a bit with countries like the UK and the US. He's been sanctioned. As part of this, of course, his Chelsea football club, he's had to give up as well. So perhaps there's a motivation for him to show that he's doing something here, perhaps to to redeem himself and his business with the West. Well, as we mentioned, we expect these talks to continue into tomorrow, perhaps even into a day after that. We'll continue monitoring them. Bloomberg's Rosalind Matheson, our executive editor for international government. As always, thanks for keeping us up to speed on what's been happening so far in Istanbul. Looking ahead to the market open on Wall Street, futures are higher. S&P futures are up 18 points. Dow futures up 142. NASDAQ futures on the rise by 49 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 13.30 seconds. The yield 2.50%. The yield on the two-year right now. 2.42%. That's a spread of eight basis points. NYMEX crudes up nine-tenths percent or 96 cents at $106.95 a barrel. COMEX gold down 1.4%, down $26.70 at $19.18 even an ounce. Straight ahead, President Biden expresses outrage at Vladimir Putin and Mega Cap Tech makes a comeback. Five things you need to start your day. Straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by the Jewish Communal Fund. JCF's donor-advised fund is the smart choice to manage your philanthropy, especially in times of crisis. Make your giving impactful. Visit jcfny.org. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And we're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Up first, Ukraine is looking for a ceasefire agreement and talks with Russian negotiators. They're meeting right now in Turkey, where President Erdogan says he expects, quote, good news from the peace talks. Meantime, Karen, President Biden is clarifying his remarks on Vladimir Putin. He says the U.S. is not seeking regime change in Russia, but that he still has the right to express concern. I was expressing my outrage at the behavior of this man. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. And it's more an aspiration than anything. He shouldn't be in power. There's no, I mean, people like this shouldn't be ruling countries, but they do. The fact they do, but doesn't mean I can't express my outrage. President Biden is rejecting criticism that his comments escalated the situation with Russia. 
Meantime, Nathan, the president's budget is also in focus. He's renewing efforts to squeeze more tax revenue from big companies and wealthy households. His new budget calls for $2.5 trillion in tax hikes. Turning to markets now, we have several companies making headlines this morning. Let's get the details live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. Nathan, let's start with a change at the top at FedEx. The package delivery company is named Raj Subramanian as its new CEO. He takes over from founder Fred Smith, who pioneered express delivery almost 50 years ago. Up next, let's talk Amazon. It's become the first mega cap tech stock to raise losses for the year. Shares are now up 1.4% since January 1st. And finally, Apple shares heading for their longest winning streak since 2003. After a dismal start to the year, Apple has seen earnings estimates upgraded by analysts. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. We turn to Hong Kong now, where the outlook for bankers is looking up. The city has seen an exodus of finance staff, but those that stayed are getting rewarded. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with the details. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. For tech-savvy workers willing to live in the somewhat isolated city, opportunities like big promotions and pay increases are plentiful, at least in the short term. Now, typically, finance workers heading to a different company in Hong Kong would get about 15% pay hike, but executive search for Firm ESGI says they're seeing 20 to 30 percent increases. Data show the number of new visas issued to foreign financial service workers in Hong Kong is down almost 50 percent from 2018. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. It's 633 on Wall Street, 25 degrees in Central Park. We're starting to see delays build up on the bridges and tunnels now. We'll get the details and traffic in a few minutes. First, Michael Barr has more right now on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is criticizing Florida's so-called don't-say-gay bill. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill that limits instruction about gender identity and sexual orientation in kindergarten through third grade. In Florida, we will make sure that parents can send their kids to school to get an education, not an indoctrination. Critics say it will further marginalize those in the LGBTQ community. Mayor Adams called the bill hateful and harmful, saying to the families living in fear of this state-sponsored discrimination, you are welcome in New York City. Our arms and hearts are wide open. Uber and Lyft drivers in New York City planned a caravan today from Brooklyn to Uber's headquarters in Manhattan to demand better pay and other benefits, including bolstering health and safety and transparency in driver to the activation. Drivers say with rising gas prices, it is getting harder to make a profit. The House Committee investigating last year's attack on the U.S. Capitol has voted unanimously to hold two aides to former President Donald Trump in contempt of Congress. Trade advisor Peter Navarro and communications aide Dan Scavino have refused for months to comply with subpoenas. It comes as U.S. District Judge David Carter ruled the court finds it more likely than not that President Trump corruptly attempted to obstruct the joint session of Congress on January 6, 2021. During the contempt hearing, committee chair Benny Thompson said the judge's ruling is a victory for the rule of law. I encourage people at home to read what Judge Carter wrote and consider his words very carefully. His warnings about the ongoing threat to American democracy should alarm every person in this country. 
The panel's resolution now goes to the House. Approval there would then send the charges to the Justice Department. There has been an apology after Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Academy Awards Sunday. Smith says his behavior was unacceptable and inexcusable, and he was wrong. Smith on Instagram said the joke about his wife's medical condition was, in his words, too much for me to bear. He then issued a personal apology to Rock. Smith could face disciplinary action by the Motion Picture Academy. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Almost 6.36 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. All right, Nathan. The Knicks' playoff hopes remain slim. The damage done with that midseason stretch where they lost 17 out of 20. But to their credit, Knicks not going down without a fight. Just had a 3-0 and road trip. Came home. Came from 12 down. Beat Chicago 109-104. R.J. Barrett, 28 points. We fight. So that's it's not an option for us. We fight no matter what. Um, we're a very good team. And, uh, you know, we, we've been... Disappointed with how we started the season, but we're a very good team, and we're pulling out these wins, and we're, we're scratching and clawing and playing very well. Alec Burks at a 27, second straight game where Burks hit the big three down the stretch, and a night where Julius Randle only made one shot. His backup, Obi Toppin, scored 17 points. Slumping Warriors missing the injured Steph Curry got blown out in Memphis. Golden State's lost 6-7. to seven. The NCAA Women's Final Four will have three one seeds: Stanford, South Carolina, and Louisville, plus UConn, who had a down season by their standards with five losses, but the second-seeded Huskies beat top-seed NC State in double overtime. First regional final ever to go two overtimes, and now UConn off to a 14th Final Four in a row. Had a big home court advantage, got to play the game in Bridgeport. NFL owners meeting in Florida facing criticism for lack of minority head coaches, announcing a change in hiring practices, and so often teams look to hire coaches whose background is on offense. Every team now has to have a minority on its staff that works with the offense, and the Rooney Rule that demands interviews with minority candidates has been expanded to include female candidates. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thanks. 6.37 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market. Bloomberg's Laura Wright is with us now for a look at the pre-market update. Laura, funny what the words stock split will do for a company's valuation. Of course, we're talking now about Tesla. We are Tesla up 2% in the pre-market. Positive reverberations from that stock split announcement via Twitter 24 hours ago that we discussed yesterday on this program. Tesla added $84 billion to its stock market value on Monday. And to put that in context, it's more than Ford's entire market cap. And the last time Tesla split its stock was back in August 2020, the year where Tesla's share price rose over 700%, hence the positive reaction on this occasion. So we're thinking there's going to be a lot more retail investor interest if this stock split goes forward. When you think about retail investors, lately you think about meme stocks. How are they doing this morning? Well, GameStop pairing some of yesterday's gains before the bell down 2%. The video game retailer championed by retail investors has seen a 10-day rally in what is the longest winning streak since April 2010. Separately, AMC cooling off down 2.8% after yesterday's huge gains. The movie theater chain rallied 
45% yesterday as the market continues to show support for AMC's interest in retail investors. Remember, it was this affinity with retail investors that led AMC's CEO to listen and lead the company to take a stake in Highcroft Mining, an unorthodox pairing, you could say. I see you're watching Norton LifeLock as well. They've had a bit of an analyst downgrade, right? Yeah, down 1.5% ahead of the open. Morgan Stanley downgrading the stock, actually, citing uncertainty surrounding longer-term sales and Norton LifeLock's acquisition of London-listed software provider Avast. Now, that deal is valued at $8.6 billion. It's facing an in-depth probe by the UK Competition and Markets Authority, thus a headwind. And finally, Laura, I see you're watching cannabis stocks as well. What's going on in that space? Yes, Sundal Growers and Tilray Brands down 9% and 4% respectively. So cannabis stocks are falling ahead of a vote taking place in the U.S. House this week to decriminalize marijuana. Now, while the bill is expected to pass in the House, the legislation is forecast to have little chance in the Senate. All right. Bloomberg's Laura Wright with us, uh, keeping an eye on what's happening in the markets ahead of the open and taking a look at stocks as a whole this morning. Futures are moving higher. We have S&P futures right now up 18 points. Dow futures up 146 and NASDAQ futures are higher by 50 points. A lot of action once again in the bond space with the 10-year Treasury down 12, 30 seconds. The yield 2.50 percent. Yield on the two-year 2.41%. 2.41%. NYMEX crude moving higher up 1%, up a dollar four at $107.01 a barrel. And uh, COMEX gold at the moment down 1.4% or $26.60 at 1918.10 an ounce. Stay with us. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny, breezy, near 40 for a high today. Mid-40s with showers likely tomorrow. Could see more showers Thursday with a high near 70 by then. Right now, bundle up, 25 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And futures this morning are rising. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are in the green right now. Dow futures up 150 points. SB's gained 19, while NASDAQ futures are higher by 57. The U.S. 10-year yield at 2.5%. Gold is down 9. Oil is trading higher. But Bitcoin is down by 1%. Japan rose 1.1% overnight, while European markets are also in the green led by 2.5% gains in France. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 10 o'clock, consumer confidence and jolts job openings. After the bell last night, Jeffrey's QN net revenue beat estimates. And regarding earnings this morning, McCormick beat estimates. And this is just hitting right now in deal news. United Health to pay $170 a share for LHC Group. Wrapping things up, Fortinet was upgraded to overweight over at Barclays, and Reynolds was cut to sell over at Goldman Sachs. Live from the First of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Care. All right, Bill, thank you. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Russia and Ukraine have started peace talks in Istanbul. In Mariupol alone, Russia's siege of the southern city has killed almost 5,000 people, according to the city's mayor. President Joe Biden said he wasn't announcing a U.S. policy change when he declared Russian President Vladimir Putin cannot remain in power. 
but was expressing his own anger about the invasion of Ukraine. Biden told reporters, I am not walking anything back. The fact of the matter is I was expressing the moral outrage I felt. In the NBA, the Knicks won, the Celtics and Warriors lost. UConn is heading back to the women's NCAA Final Four for the 14th straight time. The Huskies beat North Carolina State 91-87 in a double overtime thriller. UConn will face Stanford. Louisville is also in. They will face South Carolina. In the NHL, the Capitals lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Karen. All right, Michael, thank you. At 649 on Wall Street, we turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT makes industry-ready engineers in more than 20 fields. If it's engineering, it's at NJIT. Learn more at NJIT.edu. And now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. In Shanghai, authorities cranked up lockdown restrictions for people living in the eastern half of the city. They'll be allowed outside only to get a COVID test. After four days, the other half of Shanghai will be locked down. The city recorded a record number of almost 4,500 COVID cases today. Germany recorded about 25% more electricity generated from renewable sources in the first three months of the year compared with the same period last year, thanks to unusually windy and sunny weather. The German government has pledged to ramp up the use of solar and wind power as part of its plan to wean the country off Russian fossil fuels because of the war in Ukraine. And Cafe Pacific Airways plans to reroute its New York-Hong Kong service to avoid Russian airspace in what would be the world's longest commercial passenger flight by distance. The airline plans to fly from New York's JFK Airport over the Atlantic Ocean, the U.K., Southern Europe, and Central Asia, according to a memo to Cafe Flight staff seen by Bloomberg News. The distance of 10,326 miles We'll take about 17 hours. And that's a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. There's a map of that flight on the Bloomberg terminal. That is a long haul. Thank oh, it you, is. Karen. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, where it's now 651 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include President Biden saying he expressed outrage, not a change in policy, when he said Vladimir Putin needs to not remain in power. Senator Manchin coming out against attacks on the wealthy just proposed in President Biden's new budget and Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas's wife facing a possible House interview over her January 6th texts. For more on all these stories, we're joined again by Bloomberg Washington correspondent, host of Sound On, Joe Matthew. Uh, Joe, once again, we're talking mm-hmm. about those nine words from President Biden as yes. talks are underway between Ukrainian and Russian negotiators to try to stop this war. What is the state of the geopolitics right now? Well, my goodness, uh, where to begin with that one? In terms of the nine words, the president tried to clean this a little bit more than walk it back, I think is the cliche that we'll go with. As he said, he didn't really regret anything. I think he was just trying to sort of reset what his his intentions were in saying that, reminding, at least I am now, everyone that he referred to Vladimir Putin as uh, as a war criminal, as a killer as a pariah and a butcher. So what came out of his mouth on Saturday night, while not in the script, didn't actually change a lot. And now there are talks getting underway this morning between Ukraine 
and Russia in Turkey. There had been concerns that maybe this type of language would uh, have an impact on talks, but it really is similar to a lot of the other things the president has said the past couple of weeks. And these talks are continuing right now, if only with hopes of achieving some kind of rules of the road here when it comes to the humanitarian crisis, preventing the killing of thousands more civilians is, uh, while a low bar, the point of this conversation today, as opposed to reaching a ceasefire, which would be the overall goal for Ukraine. I guess a lot of the concern we've heard from NATO allied leaders, Joe, is that the president's comments could further escalate tensions with yeah. Russia. you got to wonder how much further escalation there could be when we do have continued bombardments of right. key Ukrainian cities, even as these talks continue. Yeah, it goes both ways here, and that's why, of course, the U.S., and our allies in Great Britain, among others, are very skeptical of the motivations here uh, for Moscow in these talks. Ukraine has a lot of reasons to continue talking. They want to achieve this ceasefire. Uh, but the Russians so far have really not uh, been believable in this opportunity or this effort here to achieve peace Uh Vladimir Putin has decided to go in in the most intense way possible to try to crush the spirit of Ukrainians. If he can't beat the military, he's going for the people. And that's kind of the idea behind the sanctions on our end as well, to squeeze the people of Russia so they will rise up and potentially uh, bump Vladimir Putin out of office. But that's nothing that's about to happen anytime soon. Interesting that you framed it, Joe, as a reset of the president's remarks about Vladimir Putin. He might have been looking for a reset, maybe with the release of the budget yesterday. <laughs> but it seems like we're, we're still dealing with a lot of the same debates over spending in Washington. Yeah, he tried to look. The White House is trying to appeal to moderates here. Uh, with an approach of fiscal restraint, it lowers deficit spending by a trillion dollars over 10 years. It adds money for police and veterans. It adds quite a bit more for defense spending, more than $813 billion. That is an increase over this current fiscal year. But there are some leftovers from Build Back Better, the president's social spending plan that never passed Congress last year, including a proposed tax uh, on on the the super wealthy households worth more than a hundred million dollars a year, this would be a tax not just on income, but a a minimum twenty percent tax on unrealized gains. Nathan, which is not something that Joe Manchin would favor, nor Kirsten Cinema or others on Capitol Hill, which is partly why it didn't pass last year. Uh, but the problem is, without that tax on unrealized gains. You won't be able to lower deficit spending by the way the White House is projecting. The other knock on this, by the way, is this was all drafted with expectations and numbers from November, which do not account for the massive in increase we've seen in inflation since then. So uh, there are some issues to iron out in this budget, and that's why it will not likely look a lot like this by the time it's done, if they pass something. Only about 30 seconds left here, Joe. What are the chances that Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas's wife, Jenny, testifies before Looking the January 6th committee? Oh, Looking yeah? pretty good. The panel uh, suggesting that it is likely that they will seek an interview. Uh, it was a pretty busy night, actually, as they referred a couple of uh, former Trump officials uh, for criminal contempt, potentially charges, which makes four now. Whether Jenny uh, Thomas uh, gets in front of this panel and whether we hear what she says is another question. Much more to come. Bloomberg Sound on with Joe Matthew, our Washington correspondent. Catch it this evening, 5 p.m. at Wall Street time right here 
on Bloomberg Radio. And you can listen to Bloomberg Radio in Washington, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 is how you find us. Karen? Sounds good, Nathan. It is 6.56 on Wall Street, and this is Bloomberg Daybreak. March is Women's History Month, and every day this month, we're celebrating significant moments in women's history. And now with our installment for March 29th, here's Bloomberg's Renita Young. On this day in women's history in 1993, Catherine Kalbeck becomes the first woman elected as premier in Canada. She led Prince Edward Island and was among female pioneers in Canadian politics. Despite growing up hearing politics was not a place for women, Kalbeck successfully ran for office in the House of Commons in 1974, serving for four years. For a decade after that, Kalbeck worked in her family's hardware, building, furniture, and appliances business, returning to politics in 1988. Although two other women reached premier status before her through party or legislative selection, Colbeck was unique because she became the first woman in Canada elected premier in a general election. That's Today in Women's History. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Renita, thank you. Futures this morning on the rise. S&P futures up 18 points, Dow futures up 150, and NASDAQ futures up 48. Ten-year Treasury down 11.30 seconds, yield 2.49%. And the yield on the two-year at 2.41%. NYMEX crude oil up 7 tenths percent. It's at $106.77 a barrel. And Bloomberg surveillance is straight ahead with Tom Keen, Jonathan Farrell, and Lisa Abramowitz. For Nathan Hager, I'm Karen Moscow, and this is Bloomberg. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.